Hello and welcome to the Red Robin podcast, powered by Budget Ties Auto Centre and 360 Chartered Accountants, the independent Hulkington Rovers podcast. Welcome to a very special edition of the Red Robin Podcast Weekly. In this episode, we put a spotlight on Magic Weekend and look at the best bits, some of the biggest talking points, this week's games and what what the future holds for it. Joining me are Phil Kaplan from 4020 Magazine and Bry from 6 Again Twitter account. Uh, hello, gentlemen. It's fantastic that you've been able to join me to discuss Magic Weekend, Warts and all. Uh, Bry, how are you doing, mate? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be on. Yep. Always a pleasure. And Phil, fantastic that you can join as well. It's the first time I've had the opportunity to speak to you, the first time you've appeared on the podcast. So thank you very much. No doubt a very busy man at the moment, Phil. Well, well, the first of the pleasure is entirely mine. Thank you for asking. Um, great to join the both of you. Um, yeah, well, it's always a busy time. Uh, we, yeah, but it's rugby league, so we love it. That's why we do it. We do. You're right. And we're going to talk about Magic Weekend. Of course, we're going to preview this weekend's upcoming games. Some real humdingers in there. Uh, something definitely to whet the, whet the uh, appetite for fans of all Super League sides. But we're going to turn back the clock and we're going to take a look back at Magic Weekend. It's the concept, it's history in a, in a little bit more detail, how it came about, and then discuss what the future may hold for it. Because um, many people are definitely interested to know what might be happening, especially with IMG coming on board with Super League. And we've seen some of the Super League clubs allegedly rebelling and, and, and maybe wanting to put their two pennies worth into the argument. So, Phil, we go back to 20. Uh, sorry, 2007, the first ever Magic Weekend in Cardiff. Um, the 5th and 6th of May. It was introduced to support expansion in the region after they'd had the Challenge Cup finals there in 20, uh, 2003 and 2005. If you remember, Phil, if you can, I know it's a long time ago. Was it something you was excited about at the time? It, yeah, incredibly. I'm, I'm lucky to have been to every Magic Weekend Um and I think we, you know, legacy is something we need to talk about because you, you mentioned it there. We went to support the game in Wales. And and if we're talking about where we are now in 2023, where is the game in Wales? You know, has that really had a, had an effect? So I think that is something we do need to, to talk about as to, to whether it has been viable or not. But yeah, in terms of excitement um, all those years ago, um, absolutely. Um, Cardiff is a a wonderful city for having an event like this, a little bit like Newcastle that you've, you've got a, a city centre right at the edge of the ground. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a lot to ask. You know, something that we say a lot, would you sit at home and put three DVDs on one after the other and watch three games in your own time? You, you probably wouldn't. It's a, it's a heck of a commitment. So what you need, particularly if you're not um, bought into all of the three games that are being played by, by virtue of maybe who you support or... You, you need something around the sport, around the event. Uh, an event, I think, is is the key word that we'll probably go on and talk about. And Cardiff did that. You know, it, it, you could walk out the stadium, have a pint of beer, walk back in. You haven't really missed very much. Uh, you could stay. It was just far enough away to be able to say there's absolutely no way I'll be driving home and, and going back again. So we need to make a, a weekend of this. Uh, which I think, again, was behind the original concept of let's have a day away and, and make the most of it and mix with all the fans of all the different teams and try and imbue these Welsh people with why we love rugby league as much as we do. And um, So it had an obvious reason behind it. Um, I think clearly the, the other thing we must say is that 
Two other people really like this idea, and that is the broadcaster. Love it particularly because they can set their cameras up for for six games, two days, and it costs them the price of one. So clearly, they are massively behind this as a concept. I think the other thing is the players liked it, and I and, and again, I can remember that you know that every team came down on a coach. It's a bit like not every club and not every player will will get to experience a Wembley or an Old Trafford, but here they were playing at a major stadium. It, it was a big event for the players. Um, you know, the, the, they were mobbed as they came off the buses. They were going into big changing rooms, which they weren't normally used to. They were playing at a great stadium that was state-of-the-art. So all of those um, little impacts meant something. Um, I think the other thing you have to say about 2007, and when, when you come on to which were the, uh, you know, the, the endearing moments, is it has to be that last game. Um, you know, if you, if, you, if, if you need a narrative and you need a, something to, to, to pin it on, then no matter who you supported and no matter what you were coming from, the finish to that Leeds-Bradford game, which people forget was a great game anyway, leading up to the ridiculous last couple of minutes of it, um, was everything you would want the sport to be. And, and, and my long-lasting memory is walking into the press conference for that game after it had happened and everybody going, what have we just watched there? You know, is this the birth of something really special? And the door being thrown open by Chris Casley, who was chairman of Bradford at the time, demanding the two points back um, because of what had happened in that, that last minute. And again, you know, if you're involved in any form of sports reporting outside of those who would report it anyway, the chairman of a club saying they want the two points back, that they feel have been denied for all the right reasons, as it turned out, it's just a great story. So that kicked off magic in the best possible way have we capitalized on that i would say no no and bray i mean as, as a supporter of of rugby league when that concept was first introduced and obviously it's a mainstay of super league at the moment but when it was first introduced did you have, have that same excite, excitement that same anticipation of of that big time event feel yeah that was it, it exactly what, as phil says it went it was like wembley but for everyone it was, it was you, you wanted to go, you wanted to be involved, you wanted to be a part of it. And if Sky could have wrote a narrative, it was like, it was like a, it was like a um, soap opera. If it, it, it was like a, 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 a thrilling cliffhanger at the end, if they couldn't have wrote it any better if they tried, they couldn't have got anyone from any soap to write it any better if they tried to. And it made you want, as I said, that, that, that last game was amazing anyway. But that last minute or two made you then want to go the year after. If it's like this this year, is it going to be like this every year? And that made it even more exciting. Mm. If that, And you wanted to be involved even more the year after. This is, this is it. This is the one. If it, bring, it brings out moments like that, it's got the potential to bring out six different moments. Uh, uh, in each in each game and each day, and I I can tell you now, every single person going home that day, it's all they talk about. It's all they talk about that next week. They'll have gone to the grounds the week after, or or the fortnight after if you were in a home that the week after, and it'd have been, oh, did you go to Magic? It was amazing. Did you do this? You did it, and it and then it came word of mouth, so much so that more and more and more just wanted to go. Do we have that excitement now? No. Do we know the reasons why? Probably. Are we going to discuss them? Definitely. Yeah. And, <laughs> and what, what, that's how it is. What you're saying there, mate, as well, attendances went up 
for the for the next year. I think another five yeah. or six thousand. Phil, I think most importantly as well, you know, we talked about the media wanting it, the players wanting it, supporters wanting it. Uh, Cardiff wanted it. The Wales Tourist Board stumping up the big bucks to to bring it to Cardiff, and and obviously there was rewarded through the attendance there. And I suppose you know if, if people are prepared to put up the big money to to stage events like this, you know the RFL are, are almost thinking you know it ticks the box for them because a they can expand the game, but b if you've got someone who can bankroll it as well, it's it's so important. Yeah, I think we've got to remember what Super League looked like in two thousand and seven as well. Um, I think the first 10 years of Super League, which takes you from sort of 1996 to about 2006, the year before, we'd been on a massive upward curve and um, we'd had the influx of money from Sky. We were attracting a lot of the world's best players. We had some real rivalries. Um, you know, you look at the attendances of Saints, Wigan games, Leeds, Bradford games at the time. They were virtually capacity wherever the, you know, whether it was home or away. So I think we had a different landscape of how Super League looked, where it sat in the, the nation's sporting consciousness. And I think Magic was right to build on that. And if we are looking at reasons why now perhaps um, we're scrabbling around a little bit to, to make sense of it, it's because actually, in many ways, Magic Weekend is a snapshot of the game. The game mm -hmm. then was really healthy, was on and up. The game now is in need of TLC. Um, and magic almost seems like um, an ambivalence towards it at the moment. Um, it sort of gets in the way of the, some of the things we know we should be discussing and dealing with. Um, and whilst you look at the, the current league table, and I think it's fair to say that it's one of the most competitive Super Leagues we've seen for a number of years, we haven't got the same stars um, playing in those games. We haven't got the same quality of youngsters coming through. Um, we haven't got the media interest in the sport of rugby league that we had in those days. We, we were a staple diet of what Sky were doing. You know, the Premier League was still big, but it was also in the early stages of becoming this all-encompassing beast that it has now been. Um, and we were the summer um, almost um, counteractive um, measure for, for Premier League football. It's like the football's finished. We'll all switch over and watch rugby league now. We don't sort of have that anymore for, for loads of different reasons. Um, no, no one or one person's fault. But I think the idea of Magic in 2007 is different to Magic 2023. And we can reminisce about how it felt to be part of it. Um, you know, we, we went to Cardiff week one of the, the magic rounds later later on. Um, and that, that, again, an interesting way to start the year. Not not easy to travel to South Wales when there's snow on the ground. But, um, you know, we tried that. We tried is it, five different venues now. Um, some work better than others. But to me, the, the key is what have we done with the concept? And, and you said it right in your introduction. This was to help Wales. It hasn't. We've now been at Newcastle. We've established that as a, as a as a venue. Has that made any difference to the playing of rugby league in the northeast of England? To a very limited extent, it has in terms of the community game. But has it given us a major presence up in that part of the world? Probably not. No. And Brian, we moved to Murrayfield um, after Wales, obviously then going back to Cardiff. But it's, it's, it's interesting what Phil says there about sometimes, you know, things like this are, are sort of pushed through because... It, we try and tick every single box with an event. Should we be now just saying, look, no, this is an entertainment event. It's to um, make money. It's to put on a spectacle. It's to fulfil uh, contractual obligations with our TV provider. And that is what it is. And is, should there be any shame in that? There shouldn't. No, because let's be honest, if Sky won it, that, that's, that's the whole reason 
that's there. And as Phil said earlier on, players want it. So it's if Sky won, the broadcasters want it, and the players want it, clubs are again going to say, well, let's do it. I think it's just the marketing of it that's, that's wrong and, and the promoting of it is... You'd, you'd, on, on the broadcast itself, because we're being pushed so far back as a sport by Sky, you don't really hear of magic until a fortnight before, mm. if that. And so you, you need this promoter, you need a marketing in the right way. I know tickets go on sale, and but they do that for, for Old Trafford, they do that for Wembley, and to try and push it. They need to, it needs better marketing, it needs to be, as Phil said earlier on, as Cardiff was, an event. You, you need something around it. And I think that's what's been lacking. If you just, I know it goes clearly off topic. Liverpool didn't work. They don't work. They don't work whatsoever. Being from Liverpool, I knew it wouldn't work because of how far away Anfield is. I just knew straight away. And But then you look at what they've done a couple of weeks back with Eurovision and the, everything they've done around it made the spectacle even better. And that's what we're missing market-wise and promotion-wise. We, If we can make everything around the actual event better, I think more people will go to it, more people will buy into it, which then obviously brings in more revenue, more broadcasting, and everything just then builds. Yeah, definitely. And we're going to come on to, to how we might be able to do that under IMG, because obviously it is something that needs addressing in the game. Phil, we moved to Manchester in 2012 on the back of the Commonwealth Games. A lot of supporters will probably say that was their favourite Magic Weekend. I think there was um, there's some growing noise, weren't there, around moving it back to the, the M62 corridor, as uh, we like to call it, uh, away from Cardiff and Edinburgh, and, and put it in Manchester. Um what you would say is, though, during them three years, yes, we enjoyed big attendances, but we didn't enjoy 10,000 more people at these games or 15,000. It was still pretty much around the same figure of number of people attending these. Um, although, you know, some of the games that we all remember during that time in Manchester are absolutely fantastic. Um, probably one of the, the greatest uh, Magic Weekend try ever scored. David Hodgson going in will forever live in folklore. I will say that is... The try, I have not celebrated a try throughout my whole time watching Rovers as much as I have done that try. That was absolutely magic, drama, absolutely everything you could ever want for in, in a sporting moment. So that is a, a special mo memory for me. But, Phil, Manchester, what, what did you make of it then? I think you've done very well to get through 15 minutes without mentioning that try, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I think Murrayfield... Um, clearly didn't work and and probably in the same respect that Liverpool didn't, that it's just too far away, that Murrayfield's a nice stadium. But if you're going to have it in an isolated area, you've really got to have a, a really all-encompassing fan zone around it. Um, the Etihad worked for me because it did have that. But what it didn't do, going back to the legacy that we talk about, is what was the reason for having it where we already have it? Um, so, you know, the 60,000 that would go and watch Rugby League on any given weekend with the 60,000 that went to watch Rugby League on that particular given weekend. Yeah. So there was a there was a logic to take it to Cardiff. There was a logic to take it to Newcastle um, because obviously we're, we're, we're trying to open 
um, new spectators, um, excite youngsters so that they might want to play, get some community clubs down there, uh, try and boost the, the, you know, the Crusaders were were around at the time in Wales. Um, Thunder clearly are still around in the northeast. But has there been any great buy-in on the back of that? I think the, the Etihad being redeveloped is a really interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, there is a case for saying that maybe somewhere down the line, Old Trafford and the Etihad might vie for who has the grand final. Um, and I think that having one of your major events in your seat of power makes perfect sense. And and clearly one of the things the, the NRL have done is taken the magic concept and put it in Brisbane. And the one that they've just had has been a three-day complete sellout. Now, that's partly because Brisbane is the absolute hotbed of rugby league in Australia and, you know, anybody playing it is going to get a crowd in that part of the world. The fact that they have, you know, three teams now in the NRL helps as well, but also um, their competition is such that you can, you can turn up as a neutral and know that you're going to see games where you don't know the result before you sit on your seat. And that's effectively what you want. Um, The Etihad for me worked, but the, the flaw was you could drive to see your game and just see your game. Yeah, uh, you you could get home and watch the others on the telly. You you probably wouldn't have missed much, um, which to me is not. If you're going to have a magic, the idea is we celebrate as a group and go on, you know, t- pack our bags and go on holiday and stay overnight. But also we want to get the locals involved, and the Manchester locals were not going to be engaged any more than any other Super League round. No, and Bray, that's something that I wrestle with all the time about when we look at why we why we host it where we do because. I get what Phil's saying about making it uh, a place you want to go somewhere different, etc. The counter argument to that is, you know, for instance, this weekend you could have sixty thousand people travelling up to Newcastle who don't necessarily need to travel up to Newcastle to watch the. F- so there's always a counter argument. I wonder where you sit on it, Bry. I, th- I think you've got to look at it in a way of with with Newcastle. I think now because it's been there that long, people will be going in. Out, watch one game and out. That's it. They won't be staying. They won't be. Some may have. Some may have experienced it. Some may have had young kids when they first went there, and now they take their children who are a bit older, and then they've got to come out because then they can't have the nightlife type of thing. I, I think. I think Phil's right. I think it needs to be somewhere where you can't get away. Where you've, it's not that where you can't get away. It's where you want to be. You want to stay. There's things to do. And again, it comes back to how the event's built. If you if you manage, for me personally, the Etihad's the perfect place because they've got all the room to do entertainments and all this. They've got a little a little stadium similar to um, where Midlands Hurricanes play now with uh, Hurricane uh, where at Alexander Stadium. They've got the, the bigger one and then they've got the little one. Where hurricanes play, you could put like, uh, you know, like you have a basis where you could have bands on, on a stage, and afterwards, and some people would stay, type of thing. I think you need to, you need to give the people the ex- the excuse to go to more games and to stay longer. Hmm. Otherwise, you are constantly, no matter where it is, you can get people who will go on coaches from with the club just for one game. Drive just for the one game. Because let's be honest, it's probably why, I know it's a different subject, but it's probably why the Wembley attendances are down. Because people don't really want to go watch the, the, the if it's not their team. Yeah, it's really, and, and to be fair, I know we've already mentioned the Etihad and they've already got a blueprint 
for how to engage fans. They've got a massive van, fan zone set up pre-game, etc. So it's not you wouldn't be necessarily recreating things. You, you're taking on board what's already there. But it is an interesting point about you know you get people into a stadium, but you don't just get them there. You want them to stay there, and and that is ultimately the product on the pitch and everything around it. And you know one's easier to do maybe more than more than the other one. Um, <laughs> but you know we'll, we'll talk about what we could do in the future. Phil Newcastle, you know, it's it's had its long magic weekends had its longest run there. You know, for me, I absolutely love going up to Newcastle as a as a place. It's a it's a destination city, it's a, a place you want to go to, regardless of, of rugby league being played there. Bryce, he mentioned it. I am going up for the for the Rovers game, but we're coming back straight after because there's just not the appeal there, especially because I'm going with my my young lad who he's gonna be experiencing it for the first time. And when I look at it from a family point of view. Yes, it's great if I'm with my mates and I want to go in the pub and I want to do all that. But from a family's point of view, other than the actual games, there's not too much around it that goes on. I know they have some fan engagement stuff outside the stadium. Um, but other than the games, it's it hard sell to keep him there all day. So I'm fortunate that we are coming back straight after. That said, I still love going to Newcastle. So I'm, I've got this conundrum in my head about what to do and what's best, etc. Yeah, take him to the chicken cottage. He'll love it. Now, I would, um, I'd honestly say that Newcastle is a great venue, and and the one thing that will, you know, rem he'll remember for the rest of his life is the feeling when he walks into a stadium yeah. like that and walks up the stairs and sees all the the, the high stands around him and gets the yeah. idea that this is a Premier League venue. Um, you know, it's got a great feel about it. And and as a young kid walking through the streets and then getting to the ground and, and be, being blown away with that first experience of seeing the green beneath you, uh, he won't forget that. I think the interesting thing is to compare it with the, the World Cup opener. Um, you know, the, the figures that we got from that was that a, a fifth, possibly more of the crowd had bought tickets from the northeast region. And when we were walking out after England had, had played Samoa and, you know, Clearly, it hadn't been a great contest. We're thinking as rugby league fans, oh, you know, what, what would other people think of that? And those who weren't used to rugby league but were from the area were saying, what a great experience. I've seen a national team. I've seen them put on a, a great display. Um, I, I, when do I next see this game? I've really enjoyed being here. There's beer on the terraces, which we don't normally have. There's mm. fans with all the different colours. And I think the, the other thing is, you know, it, it is a showcase for the game that, you know, that we, we pride ourselves. And we're probably right. You know, our, our behaviour isn't exemplary and it never has been and it probably never will be. But there aren't too many other sports that could get the fans potentially of 12 clubs in a stadium unsegregated and and that's a great selling point to the people of Newcastle um, and going back to what Bry was saying you know to do this properly you have to have a marketing budget but we as a sport do not have marketing because we don't have the budget and it's nobody's fault but we just do not generate the kind of money that you need to put this in the minds of the people in the northeast they are celebrating particularly the the Newcastle fans getting into the Champions League and their season finished last week. Um, I doubt whether anybody realises that this week there's another major event on their doorstep in the same stadium where they were celebrating last week. Um, and that's because we haven't been able to tell them, you know, with the limited amount of resource we've got, we sent some mascots up there yesterday um, and we sent some players who probably are mainly going to be injured and not playing this weekend. And there'll be a little bit of stuff in the, the local newspapers. And, you know, when we get there, there'll be the, the, you know, the cursory interviews from the local television stations. But we haven't sold it and we haven't for a number of years. And I think that's what's lacking, that it's not us going up there. We'll go up in 
the same sort of numbers that we have. Um, there are some issues around where rugby league is on the field at the moment that I think affect us as fans, and we wonder what direction the sport is currently going in, and we need some assurances on that. But I think for the people of the northeast, um, we just we just don't figure, um, and it goes right back to the question that you posed right at the very beginning, what is the legacy of an event like Magic Weekend? If we're going to do it, question number one is not, can we afford it? Do the broadcasters like it? It's why are we doing it? And if we've done it in Newcastle for a number of years, what have we got on the back of that? And if we haven't got anything much on the back of that, then we have to change it. Yeah, and Brian, I mean, there's been so many good things about Magic Weekend. It's, it is a really positive event, but would you say the or agree that the, probably the biggest failing is that it hasn't engaged with the local population in the places it's been enough? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, well, as I say, I'm my family, my whole family from Liverpool. When it was when it was there, no one knew about it. No one. You lived two miles away from the ground. No one had a clue that this event was happening. And it's not, don't get me wrong, it's not a, it weren't a major surprise either because when growing up, I was the only, it seemed to me, I was the only person in Liverpool uh, like close to the city centre who liked rugby league because I was the only one who knew about it. So it's been a major issue in Liverpool since the 80s, really. But it, 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 that does not surprise We need more engagement from from the locals, as Phil says, you've got people coming, leaving the England Samoa game, going, "Wow, this is amazing! This is that's the exact moment you go, you know, next year there's magic, and you can see twelve teams here. Next. Can I? Where can I buy a ticket? A week later, they forgot all about it. You don't, they don't want to not. You, you need to. I always say, every single time, you need to strike well that irons off. Constantly need to just it, 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 it. And as Phil says, we don't have that budget. And that's where the main issue is. Otherwise, I think you would then get more locals involved because we could use that budget to market it better and you get more locals in. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we won't be going on the strength of the uh, the pre pre-match show though from that England Samoa game. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. That was that was one of the downsides from from holding uh Newcastle, but it's not to do with Newcastle, is it? But no, I mean when you look at the uh, the attendances throughout and and the the um, the success level, it, it, I suppose Phil, what is success for Magic Weekend? What what is the barometer for determining it whether it's a success or not? Realistically, you're never going to sell it out because of you know capacity issues and stuff. So, are we as we do a lot in rugby league? Are we too quick to sort of bash ourselves over the head and and look at the failings and and why things don't work? And actually, should it be deemed a success? Um, economically, does it make a profit? If it does, then it's worth doing. Mm. Um, if it fulfills our obligation to the broadcaster, because we have to supply a certain number of matches a season, and um, this is part of their uh, scheduled year where they're short of life sport. So, you know, we give them six of the 60 matches. Um, great. But but I'm more concerned about legacy. Um, you know, why why... What do we want the legacy to be? And, and ideally for me, we want more corporate involvement. We want more young kids playing the game in an area perhaps where they haven't seen it before, don't come across it live very often. Um, we want, I think, I think, you know, more 
as we say, not not just locals coming along and supporting, but more locals then supporting more rugby league on the back of it. So it's all very well turning up for one weekend a year because it's on your doorstep. But can we turn any of those to go and watch Saints and Wigan when they're next playing down at the TWS? Or, you know, can can they go to the whole derby when, when that comes around? You know, we, we want to get it. Um, we, we believe, and I think we're right, that we have the best product to sell. Um, there are issues at the moment as to whether it's as good as it can be. But, you know, a bad game of rugby league is still better than most sporting options, in, in my humble opinion. Um, but not enough. And, and I think the issue, again, that IMG have identified and hopefully we'll give them the time and the space to, to act upon it, is that they can see something that they can sell, that, that they are you know, global corporates in, in this part of uh, the sporting world. They, they are the biggest of big fish. We are the plankton of sport. So why would they get involved in us if they didn't think that they could see something? And what I think they can see is the product. Um, so in terms of is Magic Weekend a success, we will see some things on the field this weekend that we'll still be talking about in years to come, like we have with most Magic Weekends. Um, but is that enough? Probably not. I think the other thing you've got to look at as well is that Magic is part of this group of fixtures that we call loop fixtures that skew the game. Um, so, again, what do we want out of this? Uh, you know, it, do we want a, a competition that could be determined by somebody who gets in the playoffs uh, because they've had a what is deemed to be an easier fixture, somebody who might get relegated because of they've been deemed to have what's had a, a tougher fixture? Now, again, all of this needs to be built into what do we want from Magic Weekend? How can we deem it to be a success or not? Um I don't think it's a straight black and white yes or no answer, which is why I think the future of Magic is something other than just a round of Super League fixtures. Yeah, and what do you make, Phil, of, um, I mean, IMG wanting to either get rid and concentrate on the, the two showpiece events, the Grand Final and the Challenge Cup Final, or trying to reinvent it in some kind of a different way? The club's apparently rebelling and they want it to stay. They want it to stick around. Is it... Uh, a, a little bit of a door opening onto some of the struggles that might ensue in, in, in years to come. Again, you probably need a whole podcast to discuss <laughs> the implications of IMG and whether they should now be able to just implement the proposals that they've come up with rather than keep going back to the tail, which will then wag the dog. Um, I, I, my in, impression of what they said last September when they unveiled their initial proposals was that, they saw the value of a weekend where everybody came together, but they didn't see necessarily the value of repeat fixtures, that it had to be something new. Uh, now, we can all, and I'm sure we will discuss about what that could be, um, and I think they can see the value of a new product in terms of its television rights because it would fall outside of any current TV contract. Um the club's rebelling, I'm not sure. I just think the clubs are frustrated that they haven't been told what that alternative might be. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a difficult magic weekend to sell even to the existing fans. And I wouldn't be surprised if this was one of the lower attendances, which will partly be to do with the cost of living crisis, but also because we were all told at the back end of last year that this concept had no ongoing value. So why are we having it this year? It's like, we think we think this isn't worthwhile, but will you come to it? Well, you've just told me it isn't worthwhile, so why would I come to it? Um, so I think, you know, we, we needed to be a little bit more proactive about what the idea is that is going to replace Magic Weekend, because I still think we go back to events. 
Um, you know, we, we've seen an event in, in Australia just before we recorded this that is that has a global purchase around it. You know, you could virtually take that anywhere in the world and sell it as a great sporting event. Um, so I think, you know, Wembley, they want to build up because it's lost its magic and it's lost. Uh, Old Trafford still sort of has has it. Again, it does depend on, you know, we want some new names at, at Old Trafford. We want a new, a new team winning the tournament just so that we can spread it to more and more people. But there's also a case for saying that if the Challenge Cup is going to be at the beginning of the season in May, which is where it should be, why the hell it's been moved to August this year, I have no idea. Um, we're going to have Old Trafford at the end of the season, which will be the beginning of October. There is a case for something in the middle of the year that is different but an event. And Newcastle might well be the place, and engaging northeast people with something that's different might be the way ahead. I think that's where we are with, with IMG. My worry is that IMG are being stymied time-wise in bringing in some of the things that they want and have proposed. And what I would hope is that club chairman will be patient and realise that once you've voted them in, you've just got to let them get on with doing whatever it is that they want to do. No, and it, it does it does raise a few questions, doesn't it, about you know what Super League clubs actually want and, and who they want to lead on it, etc. Um, Bryce, if you look at some of the top moments from Magic Weekend as a whole, I mean... Script writers have been struggling to come up with these. We've already mentioned the Jordan Tanzi try back in 27, uh, 2007. Um, one of my favourite was actually from 2007. It was Paul Cook, of course, orchestrating a uh, Rovers' first victory over Hull FC uh, in 10 years, which was um, had all the drama fill. I'm sure you'll remember, you know, obviously coming over from Hull, everything around it was just... Um, setting a narrative for the game, which ultimately uh, Rovers fans will remember for a very long time. You saw the Chris Green offside try, again, Steve Ganson getting his name in the headlines. Um, of course, we've already mentioned Dave Hodgson. Jacob Miller, the drop goal for Wakefield. I mean, what, 52-metre drop goal. Uh, the Catalan comeback in 2021. Jared Samet's uh, match-winning debut in 2010. Um, Leeds versus London in Liverpool relegation battle. I mean, what is what are some of your highlights, Bry? You name about all of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Leeds v London. Leeds v London really, really was up there for me because it, it had everything. Every single person who watched that game, whether you supported them teams or not, were on the edge of their seat because they were all hoping London could just hold on and just. It, and every every single one, every single person you can say you whoever you support. Every single person other than Leeds fans wanted London to hold on, and it was it was magical. It was exactly what the whole weekend's about. Janet Sandwich try. I, I watch it must watch it once a month because it's just quality. From a, from a, a team who were trying to expand against against one of the bigger boys at the time, and just to bring that magic that he brought that that was fantastic uh, for me. Personal highlights: Tommy Makington's first uh, try against Hull, amazing. Just lent to the field. I think it was Holbrook's first game. It, it just changed the concept of what Saints were to what they are now. It, it all in one moment, it seemed. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say the Catalan win was as a as a game itself. It's got to be one of one of, if not the best games that. That that golden point win was un unbelievable. 
it had everything, absolutely everything that game. What about you, Phil? What are you, some of your highlights? Are you able still to to look through it through journalistic eyes and, and through supporter eyes? And, or does it all get wrapped into one for you? Nobody should ever have sympathy for a journalist. So um, <laughs> clearly it's one of the most, well, two of the most difficult days because you're trying to get the quotes and the reaction of one game and be back in your seat for the start of a second game. So... Um, we're probably not the right people to ask in terms of what are the, the, the moments that matter because we're just desperately scrambling around trying to get as much copy as we can and, and not miss anything. Um, so what you try and do is, is report, if you can, on games one and three and then um, enjoy game two for as much as you can. Um, I would say, again, I think the game that meant the most in terms of being able to write something around it was that Saints-Catalan game in 2021. And because not only was that game over and we knew the destination of the League Leader Shield and it was, you know, another merit mark for this brilliant St. Helens team. But I think the fact that it was the French story, um, now building on the back of winning the Challenge Cup a couple of years before, this was, well, actually, maybe it wasn't just a flash in the pan. Maybe there genuinely is a reason to call Super League, Super League Europe. Um, and Saints didn't get pegged back from, what was it, 12 points down um, with very little time to go. It just didn't happen. They were too good. Um, and then you're thinking, that's Sam Cassiano that's lapped up for a ball. Though. What, what on earth <laughs> is going on here? Um, and that sort of probably 10, 12 minutes for me was everything that we love about the sport. Because not only was it what it was, but it was what it could be as well. Um, and the fact that then Catalan went on and, and won it with a Maloney drop goal and, um, you know, we picked up their second trophy and and we thought, you know, there is there is potential for this sport to break out from whatever it is. I, I, I think we'd also seen Toronto play there, admittedly, in a, in a championship game. Yeah. Um, but you're watching that, you know, Toronto to lose – and you're watching Catalan beat St. Helens, and you're just thinking, this is, you know, what is the reason for Magic Weekend? Well, maybe it's this. And maybe people will be watching it on the telly and thinking, oh, I thought they only played that along the M62 corridor. What am I watching Toulouse and Toronto for? What what am I watching Catalan possibly, you know, winning the league leadership? What, what actually am I watching? I need to know a little bit more about this, because not only is it great and I'm enjoying it, but it's got names here that don't seem to have anything to do with the sport that I thought it was. Um, so I think all of that is is the bits that I've enjoyed the most, that what the sport could be, because um, we know that on the field, give me a whole derby and I can sit back in the armchair with a can of beer and I can watch two teams beat the hell out of each other purely for my enjoyment. And I love that. Give me Saints and Wigan, um, because obviously, you know, the feeling behind that game. The thing is, we watch that three or four times a year now. Yeah. What we want is an event that will sell to a wider audience. And that Catalan-St. Helens game did. And I think, you know, the backdrop of Toronto and Toulouse just made me think maybe maybe we can start fulfilling some of the hope that we've all had for the game to, to you know, be seen by the biggest audience. Yeah, and it's not just uh, the players who produce the headlines. Bry, of course, we've already mentioned Steve Ganson. I mean, two inexplicable inexplicable calls made, especially uh, the Chris Green offside try in 2013, which led to a public apology from the RFL. I mean, I'm still speechless now that it, it happened. And, and not only once, it's actually happened twice in, in the same 
in the same uh, event. It's absolutely unforgivable, really. But I mean, as a neutral, when you're watching that, I suppose that is what gets you interest, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's one of them moments. It's 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 one of them things. I I I look back at rugby league and most magic weekends I've not been to because I I tend to spend the weekend with my family, but it's always on. So there's always there's moments like that which everyone's stopped in the room and you're like, and it it, it reminds me of there was a playoff football game a few years back, Watford for Leicester. Leicester had a penalty, missed it, off went to the other end, went to Wembley. And it's them, and again, we were in a pub, and the whole pub stopped and watched that one moment. And it's them little bits for me where people will stop and go, what, what's happening? What's, what's happening? What's just happened? And you might be with someone, like I have been, I've been with family, and they've gone, what's this sport? And you're like, it's rugby league. And like, what? Is it always like this? And you're like, Sometimes, yeah, but you know, and you try, and they they might get the bug, they might they might bite, and that's what we all want. But that that, that them two decisions, um, as a neutral, <laughs> amazing. Some of the best, some of the best either TV moments or some of the best moments to see live going. As a, a fan of either team who were on the receiving end of these terrible decisions, probably still talk about it. When you're 86 and sat with slippers and a and a and a cigar and and telling the great grandchildren, listen, whatever anyone tells you, it was offside. It, it, it's, it's one of them. But everything, everything about it, you can you can talk about the fights, the big fights that we've seen, Wigan and Leeds, uh, Peacock and Bateman, and things like this. Everything about this weekend, there's always something. It must be. It must as much as Phil says. It could be a nightmare for Jen. It must be. It must. It must be a thrill of a week thinking going into this. Going something's going to happen. I just need to make sure I'm sat there writing about it as it happens and I can see it. And that's the ch- kind of pull that we want to try and get everyone else to see that we already know because we we see it most weeks. There you go then, Phil. So there's the challenge laid out. I've got a menu of plays, controversies, results, drama. I've got a menu of it to hand over to you. Go sell this to the rest of the world. What? How do we do it? Money. <laughs> <laughs> it's the root of all evil and it's everything that sells in sport. Um, controversy will take you so far. I think, again, social media helps these days because you can clip these controversial incidents or these spectacular try. You know, you, you mentioned Tommy Makers, arguably the scorer of the best acrobatic tries we've seen over a concerted period of time. So clearly Tom Johnson is a master of the art at the moment as well. But for me, Makinson epitomised that. That's, that's one of the reasons why he was a golden boot winner. Um, but we've never sold that enough. Social media will allow you to do that. There'll be some spectacular moments over this weekend where somebody will do something ridiculous that we see as normal. Um, you know, and, and it, you know, other sports people, if you can engage them with that, they might start saying, they do this, do they? This is allowed in the game. Right? I, I want to see a bit more of this. I think the other thing, and, and again, you know, how do we sell it? Shirts. There's a lot of um, controversy about always having a third magic shirt. But if you get it right, um, 
it has a resonance. You know, I remember you know, Leeds playing in Superman shirts. It just sort of worked. Mm. Um, the pictures are different. This, this year, clearly, there'll be a bit around the Doddy Weir shirt because obviously it's linked to a much wider issue that is very high profile at the moment. Um, Saints have done some brilliant shirts with, with autism about, you know, disconnected jigsaws. But I think, again, if we're going to do it, everybody's got to do it and every shirt's got to have a message. Every picture that comes out has got to be different to what we would see on a normal Super League weekend. Um, it allows us to tell the stories about why we're an all-inclusive sport. Um, so I think that I think that is important. How do you sell it with a different message, with as many different messages as you can? Um, I think we're we're all in agreement. The action will speak for itself. The controversy will help sell that, and the narratives around um, players that have played for the opposition team, um, people who aren't speaking to each other, coaches that have crossed the divide, all of that is what we need to sell. So all you need to give me is somewhere I can sell it to all the ingredients to sell will be in the next two days. Yeah. And Bry, I mean, this is where I want IMG to be spending their time. You know, at the moment, everything's getting chucked IMG's way, everything from reserve grade rugby to every 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 problem in rugby league, IMG going to sort out. Well, no, they're not, are they? Let's be realistic. Yeah. The, 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 their involvement in the game and, and their core business should be around events like this how they can capitalise on it. And also, there's got to be some harsh truths. And if it's a concept that doesn't work, then an, either an alternative has to be made or a, uh, or more time spent on existing, you know, cup final, grand final. Yeah. And, and there's got to be some harsh truths there. What would you do, Brian, if you if you was IMG um, and you was the top man there who was deciding on Magic Weekend? There's a couple of things I, 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 I need to build the event. I think I think that's what that's why I said the Etihad has everything in place. As we said earlier on, you need a fan zone. You need you need to you need this fans. You need this fans where you can go in, you can watch. So you can go and watch Hull uh, KR this weekend against Salford. You can come out with your this fans, miss the second game, go and engage in the fan zone. Go be be with. Be with with your family in the fan zone. You can come back in for the third game. It feels like when you go, you're in and you're stuck. So you've either got to put something on the pitch in between, which you don't give time for because the the teams need to train before the games, or you need to let the fans come out and come and choose, come and go when they choose. Don't know how you can do that, but I'd I'd say that's a major part of it. Also, as I say, a fan zone, a massive fan zone where you can buy merchandise. One of the big things, my my main bugbear with the Rugby League World Cup was I'm going to watch Tonga v Wales and the St. Helens store shut. There's one little kiosk which had a Wales shirt in, a Tonga flag in and a ball from each. And I was like, is this it? Is this all I can buy? There's... The, and you, you want you want to you if you as we said before shirt sell have every single teams I know they do this at Newcastle but have it constant have 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 Origin shirts there have NRL shirts there have international shirts there sell 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 more people are wearing shirts more people are getting involved more money is coming through because the more people are spending and if you can come and go 
you might go to put you might you might I say you go with you go with your son this weekend. You know the half could go. I tell you what, as it kicks off, I'll drive up, I'll come and get him. You stay. And you go. Oh, well, he's been in the game because that's exactly what I do. If if, if my oh, son, my yeah, my seven year old, my seven year old goes right. Let's go. I go right. Well, let's go. First game. We'll watch the game. Yeah, that's your game, right? Do you fancy driving up and picking all? Yeah, I'll meet you there. I'll, I'll meet you five miles from the ground because I know I can get back in and I can go back in and I can watch it. And then I can go out to Newcastle on Saturday night. I can stay over. I can have a laugh on the Sunday and I'll come home on the Sunday. Done. And you, and you try and... I think that's a major part. Coming and, coming and going into the ground. I don't know how it can be done, but it feels like once you're in there, the entertainment's only on the pitch. There's no other entertainment. I know you've got learning disability playing on there and, and other things like that. But let's be honest. That I've seen the best, uh, the best description of the Magic Weekend. It's just a glorified stag do. <laughs> now, now, people in Hawaiian shirts who have been on the drink all day are not just there to see this. They want entertainment. They want things. And things like the 100 and the bash and the cricket buys, they've got it spot on where everything on the pit, everything that's there, once you're in, entertains you. And I think that's where that go. A fan park outside, entertainment, if you've got to stay inside, more, bigger, and then let people come and go. Give them wristbands, give them certain things that they get in and get out. And more people will stay. Yeah, and Phil, lastly, before we speak about the fixtures this weekend, um, is this event almost too big for the RFL? Because there's two elements, isn't there? There's the, the log logistics of holding hosting an event for which has 12 teams, 60-odd thousand supporters. So, like, Bryce just talked about there, the actual running of an event to make it attractive. The other side is what we've talked about in terms of promoting it, making it um, attractive, using it as a showpiece event, etc., etc. With the resources, finance available, is this maybe just too big for the RFL to do anything within its current capacity? I think this is where um, I sound like a broken record and pick up a fair bit of what Bryce just said. I think it's about what happens inside the stadium to make you want to stay. I think what's outside the stadium is the added value. Um, and if you are there with a family and you have got young children who need to go and buy an ice cream and uh, have a ride on a roundabout while they're doing it, then you have that as well. But for me, this is why it's got to change and this is why it needs to be a different event. And this is the, the potential to say to um, an outside force, we'll give you a weekend and we'll give you a format. And what we'd like to achieve is this out of it. And you tell us what, to, what, what it should look like and we'll do it. And to me, I think it still goes back to, and this is where it, it will sound like something, people have heard before we haven't got a shortened format of the game we've tried it we've even had a nines world cup so we think that there's something in it but we never go um, and and actually bottom out an idea of how we can do this on an annual basis that will be different that will appeal to a different audience that within 48 hours will have its own champion crowned will give people the opportunity to stay in a stadium for two days rather than one day because they'll see their teams play on both days 
um, and also to give them the kind of entertainment that they will gladly pay for the ticket, irrespective of what they're watching on the field. So for me, the blank sheet of paper, and, and, and I think this is something that maybe IMG are looking at and has been discussed before, would be a 16-team nines tournament played over two days um, with the 12 Super League teams, 12 of those teams, the other four teams being either representative teams or composite teams or exciting teams that people can, you know, like a barbarian type concept that might be the best of the championship and league one in a team. Um, you know, it might be the French national team, whoever it might be. Um, but we do it over uh, two days we have a limited amount of physical game time on the field for any one team so that your attention span is constantly recharged with what's coming out in front of you. The games maybe only last, um, if, it, if it's nine to two nine-minute halves, 18 minutes. So it's all action for a very concerted amount of time. But you've got gaps there, natural gaps between the games coming on. You do employ bands to play concerts. You know, we, we've got Simon Moran, who is one of the great band entrepreneurs, um, who is in charge of Warrington. There is no reason why we can't have people that we would all like to see. Admittedly, I'm of an age where I wouldn't have heard of any of them, but certainly your kids might drag you along. Um, we can have innovative rules. You know, five points for a try if it's scored between the posts. Um, we can have spotlight bingo in the crowd so that there's flashing lights that stop on somebody that's sat on a seat somewhere that walk away with a grand, which 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 means that you think, I better stay where I am because I might be losing out on something major. You, know, you, have, you, you have some taped under every other seat that gives you the opportunity to win a raffle prize or whatever. You have all the old players there that you get the chance to meet and be introduced to in the fan zone. But you give it to somebody like Barry Hearn and you say, there's your weekend. I know you don't want to run the sport. I know it's all about teams and you deal with individuals, but you have got a weekend and you have got a nines format and a concept that is something new, which is what you're great at, taking a, an established sport and giving it a new feel and a new audience. Um, so we would want a profit of £100,000 out of that as a sport. So any pound you make over 100000 you keep. But one of the reasons we'll make it exciting as well is that the players need to buy into this. So it's a 16-team nines competition. But at the end of it, we're going to crown a winner. And that winning team is going to get 50 grand in cash. And that 50 grand can only be split amongst the players that play. So, you know, you do have a sprint racing competition before the final. We will find the fastest player in rugby league. That player will win five grand. You know, you're not going to suddenly put your reserve grade in who's a, who's a fast winger. You you know, the, your fastest player in the squad is going to be elbowing everyone out of the way saying, I want this five grand, it's mine. Um, and you build it up with different elements to make it unmissable. And I think if you do that, and we probably need a lot more discussion about how that might look, but if that's sort of your, your starting point of a new event in a city like Newcastle, you would get people from the area. You'd have to do it for a number of years to build it up. You'd get buy-in from a broadcaster, I'm absolutely sure, because at the end of that two days, there's a winner. At the moment, one of the problems is at the end of these two days, we've got a league table, and that's it. It doesn't mean anything in itself. So I think all of that um, should be up for grabs. And, and if the clubs don't want to buy into that, they don't have to be one of the teams that play in it. What do, what do you reckon, Brian, you having some of that? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> T turning into a turning into a massive event. It's it's it. it's you see it see it last weekend. The sevens, Lagunian sevens at Twickenham. It was just basically exactly what Phil just said. Massive party, 
your team's playing every, both days, playing about three games each day. You, you're going to go, you're going to stay, you're going to want to stay. You're going to go and you're going to want to stay for the weekend. And that's the thing. And you, the, We look at, there's a thing in the sports at the minute that's uh, concentrating on attendances. It'll be massive this weekend what the attendance is. And there'll be a plethora of different reasons why. But if you've got an event like what Phil's has described, they'll go through the roof. Go through the roof. And the fact that the biggest names would want to be part of it, because you put incentives on like that, you can then build them profiles for them players, which then builds the profile of the player, builds the profile of the sport, and you you know what, you, you half the job's done, <laughs> as, as far as marketing goes. Right, let's fast forward to this weekend's game. So we've got Salford versus Hulkington Rovers. That's followed by Wigan versus the Catalan Dragons. And then Saturday's concluded with Leeds versus Castleford. And then on Sunday, Wakefield take on the League Leopards. Um, Saints take on Huddersfield Giants. And the day is finished with Hull FC versus Warrington. Phil, Supley is getting very interesting, especially from seven up to one. I mean, you can't even discount Leeds or Huddersfield just yet. But Phil, that the competition's really hotting up, and it's a not a pivotal weekend, but a very important weekend for a number of teams in the, in the competition. Yeah, we're halfway through after this weekend, so I think um, you'll you'll see what the second half of the season looks like for most of those teams. Um, there's something riding on virtually all of those games. Um, there's a couple that I think are going to be tough sells, um, but clearly. You know, what, what you want, as as we said right at the very beginning, is you want a narrative to sell. So Salford Hull KR is brilliant because they're two teams who are going somewhere, but they meet each other in the cup in, in a couple of weeks. So um that that's a really interesting game mm. from, from that point of view. Uh Wigan Catalan again, um, you know, are Catalan genuine pretenders for a title? They they've got virtually all of their big guns back. So that will be interesting that if they can knock off um, a, a team that are just above them, but it's another week where we've got second v third, which seems to come along every week. Uh, Leeds and Cass can Cass get out of the hole that they're in? Um, will Leeds have 17 players? Again, it's a local derby, so um, one of the few games Cass have won this year was against Leeds at, at the Jungle, so they'll be confident. And going into the second day, the, the toughest sell is Wakefield Lee because they just played each other in the cup, and um, no matter who Wakefield is signing at the moment, I just can't see them getting away from, from from where they are. So clearly, if you're a betting person, bet on Wakefield, because I've just said that probably <laughs> they don't have a hope. Um, Saints-Huddersfield is interesting more for Huddersfield than Saints, I think, because they're getting to the point where if they don't knock off a top team, their ambition this year of being a top four side isn't going to be realised. And that's the game in hand that they both got is, is again, Saints v Huddersfield. So that, that could be pivotable for, uh, pivotal further down the line. Um, and whole Warrington is, again, you know, can Warrington hit back from a surprise defeat? Are Hull going in the right direction? I, I think Saturday's the better day, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, but, yeah, look, looking forward to it. And, and the more games you can't predict who's going to win, the better. Yeah, and Bry, what games are you particularly looking forward to this weekend? Again, it's got to be it's got to be Saturday, hasn't it? Them, them three games have all uh, all got something riding on. They're all so close. They're all all tough, especially now with Leeds injuries. They're all tough to predict as well. And I think I think the way you've got, as Phil just said, players coming back, not just for Catalan. You've got Salford have just brought back CO last weekend. Um, Catalan have got 
Yaha back mainly, which is I think it's fascinating narrative alone. Udia Pick, Johnson, Yaha, Davis. They've got they've got options now, and that's what I think that's what does make them a, um, a serious contender. Um and then Leeds Casper, Uber Leeds putting out. Where are they going to play? How are they going to play it? And can Castleford actually do anything about it? Because then, then next few games, you look at them and you're like, yeah, they need something this weekend. They really need something this weekend. Especially if, as Phil just said, Wakefield will eventually win. <laughs> it's, it's, I think Saturday's the day. It's Sunday. Sunday, I think, I think the first two games are really hard sell because St. Helens haven't been pulling up any trees at the minute and Huddersfield really aren't. They don't know. It seems that they don't know what the back, the back seven are. They, they've got that many options that they can't decide who to play and it feels like they're spinning plates with the, the positions and whoever lands, lands. <laughs> um, at the moment, there's, there doesn't seem any cohesion at all. I think other than the the weird cup game that they had. I don't. I don't think there seems to be any pattern in what they're trying to do. They seem a bit lost. And then FC Fiwire Sunday night. It's it's the potential of how Warrington are being playing. If if people worked them out, if FC now worked them out, if FC fell fell into a into a pattern with now what seems to be their first choice players, first choice fan. So. All in all, Saturday better. Sunday, hard sell, but could be interesting. Could be very interesting. Yeah, well, it promises to be another intriguing week of Super League action. Of course, I'm hoping for a Hulkinson Rovers victory against Salford. It's going to be a very difficult encounter. And like Phil said, we see them in the Cup uh, in just a few weeks' time. So um, there's a lot riding on this game and, and in the future. Hopefully, Hull Kingston Rovers will have um, Lachlan Coop back this weekend, which will be a huge uh, player to come back. Salford, though, tempered by the fact that I think Andy Akers is out injured as well so uh, with the HIA, so he's not going to be featuring this weekend, but it's going to be a really interesting weekend of Rugby League. A huge thanks, Bry and Phil, for joining me uh, on this podcast special. It's been Fantastic listening to, to your opinions on Magic Weekend, sharing your memories and, and sharing your vision for the future as well. I'm sure many uh, supporters of Rugby League will be really interested to, to hear what you guys have said. So thank you so much. This has, of course, been the Red Robin Podcast Weekly, which is powered by Budget Ties Auto Centre and 360 Chartered Accountants. And for now, live, love, laugh and be happy. <laughs>